and not had my mic on correctly. How many weeks have I done that? I just talked to Elliot this morning and I said, I'm going to do a better job of not changing my microphone, turning it off and on, off and on before I walk up. And I made that mistake. It's a good thing we're talking about grace today, right? Because you can give me some. Hey, this is our last week of this series. Next week, we're going to kick off an awesome, incredibly fun, incredibly cool summer series. It's called At the Movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. You guys are fired up about it. I can tell. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's going to be a really awesome series. We're going we're gonna to kind of look at some different movies that maybe you would know and I would know, and we're going to pull from the God's Word uh, some incredible connections and make some really awesome points out of these movies. So this is an awesome summer series, great series for you to bring friends, bring guests. We'll try to tee up and let you know what we're going to be speaking about the week in advance so you'll kind of have an idea uh, of where we're going that next week. But I'm really excited about that. And um, let me just say a few more things before we get started into our topic today. Um, I'm really excited uh, that, that, uh, that you have per- you're permitting me to uh, take a little leave of absence this summer. Uh, I shared that a few weeks back that I'm going to be going uh, to go, get away and just get some real refreshment this summer. I'm going to take a sabbatical. That's what preachers call, call uh, like sort of half vacation, half work, where we just get away and just really try to reconnect with God. Um, sometimes we're running at such a fast pace with the church, just giving our life away, and it is, I'm really looking forward to getting away, connecting with God. Half the time will be, uh, I've got a little life coaching going on, a guy that's going to pour into me, a guy who invests in pastors. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing some... Um, uh, conferences, communication conference, uh, kind of like a how-to church conference with a couple different guys, and uh, half the time just vacationing. So you will be in phenomenal hands this summer. We've got some phenomenal communicators, both inside, in-house, and guys we're bringing from out of house. Um, Christy's dad will be here on Father's Day. You guys know he's going to flat bring it. Uh, if you've been here in the early days, we're going to bring somebody back from the past. You guys remember Justin Propes who helped us launch this church? Yeah, he'll love that. I'll, I'll say you clap for him. He'll actually uh, be excited about that and uh, got, got some other different folks coming in this summer. So you're going to be in great hands this summer. I fully, fully, fully intend to see our church rally and raise up in my absence. I fully expect that you'll be greater uh, as a church uh, if you could say it like this, uh, you know, I don't know if this totally works, but you know, when the cat's away, the mice play. I'm not a cat. We don't do cats around here. You're not mice. So when the dog's away, I, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this. But all I want to say is, <laughs> someone just stop him, please. Uh, I, I fully expect that you guys are going to do some awesome things. We've got some cool ministries this summer. We're going to do something leading up to uh, the end of summer that we're going to do with Bull Creek. Our, one of our partner min- uh, missions here in our city, uh, but I'm really, really excited about this, and I want to say thank you. Um, also, let me go ahead and jump in. Since this will be kind of like my last Sunday, I'll be back. Uh, let me s- clearly state that. I'll be back, but I want to I I share something with you that has been brewing for probably since January. Since January, we pulled together a team uh, of you, of our church, and we elected these folks and said, would you help us strategically... Uh, help our church be more strategic in the future. Uh, as you know, our church exploded from the very beginning. Um, in fact, this last Easter, we had our largest Easter ever. We had 1,900 people out on our church land. 
We didn't have a clue we'd have that many people. We were 400 people over what we expected. There were, we had 400 people that didn't have seats. Thank God we have a lot of wonderful sacrificial people in our church that gave up their seats and continued to serve and never sat. But we had that many people. We had 200 people give their life to Christ. Many of those were people that were baptized this morning and will happen again next hour. But let me just say this. Because God continues to just blow our minds, not because we're great, but because He's great, we have just seen just an an enormity of God's provision in so many ways. So because of that, we are saying we've got to be, we've got to work smarter, not necessarily just harder. We don't want to go in several directions. We want to clearly go in the the right directions. And so we're really defining some things as a church. Um, You guys know statistically, we we shared this a few weeks back. We took a survey here, people in seats, uh, filled out cards and and exclaimed and uh, helped us to grasp that 54% of our church, people who were sitting in our seats, 54% of you said, I wasn't a part of a local church prior to being in my church. I was out of church. I was not connected to God through his church. I was not in church. 54%. I heard on TV, uh, one of my favorite pastors, not on TV, like online, uh, saying that their church was 30% uh, people who, were, who had not been in church. And I was like, we're 54%. I don't really know where that happens across America. I'm so very, very proud of that. I don't know how it's happened that you have uh, invited your friends and you have shown up and you have found, many of you, found your way back to God. I'm blown away at what God's done here. Out of that 54%, 45% of you have given your life to Christ. That means that, as we say, 45% of you have made Jesus leader and forgiver of your life. That is huge. That means we have a whole plethora of people that have crossed the line of like salvation and begin trusting God by faith. That is, that is just unbelievable. We have over 30% of your military families. We need to just say, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you guys realize this, but they're saying in the next several years, we'll see more, we'll see a greater show of how difficult our war has been than all the previous wars of all the generations prior to this. We'll have more men and women struggling with PTSD, with war wounds, both in the heart and physically and externally, than ever before. And as a church, we're just saying we need to be smarter, more strategic in doing what we're doing as a church because bottom line is we don't have a clue when our Savior, our, our, our Savior will come and return to this earth for us. So we don't want to waste any moment of any day, of any time. We want to be smart in doing what we're doing. So this morning, I want to give you one of our newly formed and fashioned value statements. Uh, We weren't going to roll these out. I'm kind of going against the grain, Ed, this morning. Uh, I want to give you one of our statements before I leave this week uh, that is just burning in my heart. Because I feel like as the church at large, the church at large is really, really lost in this conversation. I think we do a pretty good job of this. But as time goes on, it, it takes us having conversations like this for us to be in line and unified with going where we believe we should go. And so this morning I want to talk to you about a value that I believe is just very, very important for us to talk about as a church today. And I think you'll see as time goes on 
that God has called you to be a part of this conversation. So, in, so as we get rolling this morning, let me just pray. Let me pray that God would speak to us and we would see his word and his word would penetrate our hearts today. God, we love you. God, I thank you so much that you gave your life um, sacrificially and unconditionally for us. God, nowhere in our physical lives or world does anybody love us and sacrifice unconditionally. God, you are it. God, you've never said um, to us, you've been bad and because you're bad or because you've lost faith or because you have wavered in your thinking about me, I'm going to, to love you less. God, thank you so much that that is not the gospel and it's not how your grace works. God, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is good. And God, as we consider how good your grace and forgiveness is, God, help us to be reminded of the awesome, awesome hope that we have both for ourselves and for all of mankind, every man, every woman, every child, because of you, God. God, I pray that you would gift our church the abilities, the passion, and a clear pursuit of doing what, we've, what we're called to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How many of you guys hear a little water on our roof right now? Anybody? All right, it's not raining. It's not raining. We're just a little on the redneck side around here. And we feel the need on those days where the temperature is going to go above 80 degrees that we've got a sprinkler on our roof. How about that? Come on. We're awesome, huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Where else did you clap for sprinklers on our roof but my church, all right? All right, so if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to look up John chapter 4. If uh, you've got a Bible, great. If not, if you're a first-timer here today, um, every week we've had anywhere from 10 first-time guest cards to 25 on average first-time guests in our church. So I'm glad you're here if you're first time here today. Uh, kicking tires, checking out claims of our Savior. If you're new to Bible study, um, we've got Bibles if you'd like one in a, uh, like a hard copy. If you're near someone with a smartphone, they'll be willing to share with you. That's awesome. And also we'll have it up on our screen. So John chapter 4, we're going to look at our first uh, value statement today. Uh, I'll share the remainder of our value statements um, probably uh, mid to late fall, all right? We'll be teeing some things up and sharing with you a very, very, very strategic three-year plan for our church in the fall. So um, just a little teaser for you this morning. So here in chapter 4 of John, uh, Jesus had just encountered a woman at the well. You guys remember that story? Uh, it's a woman at the well. She, she shows up and meets Jesus, and she, she just is blown away at his love, at his, at his grace, and that he knew everything about her. So she gives her life to Jesus. She runs out, brings all her friends. But this would be the woman at the well. That's, the, that's kind of the title of that story. So this has just happened. Jesus just spent time with this woman. Now he's gone on, and he's encountering um, his disciples now. And his disciples are basically a little worried that Jesus might be hungry. All right, like Jesus, you know, physically, he's God in a body, but he, because he was a, you know, fully God and fully human, he, they were worried because he was working and going and going and going and going that he might be a little hungry. So here we have in John chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Everybody just say, eat something with me. Eat something. Here's these guys, they're worried about Jesus and, you know, his nourishment. 
And they're like, man, he's just going and going. Jesus, you've got to eat something. Maybe they were hungry and it was like, maybe like when you really want food, rather than just being bossy or, or rude, you just say, hey, aren't you hungry? Trying to drop that seed. Hey, how hungry are you, you guys hungry? And I shouldn't say that a whole lot because in church, if I keep saying you're hungry, I'll see about three of the rows in the back start just slowly disappearing. When I turn my back, people, you guys ever do that in college? Anybody ever do that? The teacher turns his back in college and all of a sudden like the three people in the back zip out. Yeah, I see Nina over there. Yeah. Well, don't do that here because I, I see everything. I know all. I'm a pastor. I know everything. Anyways, so eat something. Verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So all of a sudden, Jesus, you know, seizes this moment and sizes up a teachable moment. All of a sudden, he realizes, okay, these guys have been uh, raised in a culture of religion. And it's, it's very foreign and opposite of where I want to take them. I want to take them somewhere fresh, somewhere new. And so I can see by what they're asking and what, you know, what's, what's lying deeper in their hearts that I want to make this a teachable moment. They're asking, are you hungry? He says, I have food that you don't know anything about. So they're worried about Jesus. Then in verse 33, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> I love this. It's like, could someone have slipped him a, a happy meal when we weren't looking? Verse 34, Jesus explains. Now he, now he dives right into the conversation with these guys. All right, here's the teachable moment. Here's the point. He says to them, my food, he says, is to do the will. Now catch this. My food, what, what, what is food for me, what is nourishment for me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now capture this. This is a profound thought here. This is, this is really going against the grain of everything previously they had been accustomed to in their, their, their Jewish religion. He says, what is nourishment to me, what fills me is filling others. What nourishes me, what's food to me, is being food and fueling and filling somebody else. So Jesus is making this like profound statement, and he says, doing the work of God fills me. And as I'm doing the work of God, as I'm exercising and stepping out there by faith to follow Jesus, doing this not only helps others, but it, but it grows and fuels and fills me. So he makes this point. And uh, we could easily walk away and say that Jesus wasn't concerned with consuming. Jesus was, Jesus was more concerned with contributing. Now, we don't have to look very far or really ask the question about what's just birth in our human nature any more than to look at a two-year-old, right? Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I, I hear this debated in the news, but we have a, sim- a sinful nature. Hands down, we were created uh, imperfect. There's no perfect people allowed. That's one of our fun, ha-ha, cool statements around my church. We always say, you don't have to check your baggage at the door. We say, we want this to be the most accepting place on the planet, right? We want our door holders to, to not judge, but we want them to be loving and kind and accepting as people walk into our church. That's kind of our, our, our motto. Our, that's what our secret sauce is around here. Really, that is being like Jesus. We're loving like Jesus loved. And so what we see in our, you know, in our human economy is every person that's born is born sinful. You do not have to take a two-year-old 
and like set up this scenario to try to help them be taught how to say the word mine, right? Has, have you ever had to help your kids, your two-year-olds, learn to want to pull back their toys and say mine to anybody? No. I didn't have to teach any of my kids that. Every one of my kids did it like clockwork. If one of their sisters took their thing away, somebody was screaming, mine, right? It just happens. You think about this. This is totally crazy, but funny and cute. Nobody has to be taught to be selfish. Nobody. Nobody has to be taught to be self-centered. It's just born in us. Everywhere you look, all our lives, we battle and wrestle with being selfish and self-centered. I didn't know it when I was younger, but I quickly realized that I was very self-centered and selfish when I got married. I'm living with someone. I thought I married them for them to serve me. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong, right? you know, we, I did a wedding last night, and the, the thing I said, this is not a 50-50, it's 100%, 100%. You give 100%, she gives 100%. That's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to give your life to each other. And so Jesus makes this profound, teachable moment with these guys and helps them to understand that the role and the goal that I have for our church, for you to be filled The way to do that is by fulfilling what God's called us to. And that is to be a part of what I'm doing in the world. And so uh, I remember, you'll probably remember this, when I was a little kid, I remember one of our fast food food chains out there, kind of slipped there if you caught that. One of our fast food food chains out there uh, had this statement try to say this correctly this morning, Uh, they had this statement, they serve hamburgers, and this was just the mindset, if you're getting a hamburger, this is how you got a hamburger. It was this statement, I remember the commercials when I was a kid, the the, the little fun rhyme was, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onions, all on a what? Sesame seed bun, right? That was McDonald's. That was McDonald's. We we didn't have a clue that, that hamburgers could be offered another way. This is how burgers came, right? That, that, was their, that was their mindset. There was no mindset of, of any other way until all of a sudden another company called Burger King said, have it your way, right? All of a sudden, we've got these two competing agendas. And what we see back in the 70s when Burger King came out with have it your way, we see, you know, marketing change and all could go towards the consumer mindset. And what I'm saying today is that the consumer mindset has infiltrated into the church, into our minds, into our psyches, and this has become the predominant way that we view the church. We don't view the church as we're the church. We view the church as I go to church, right? Right? How many of you, how many of you guys say, and this is not a bad thing, this is kind of, in some ways, just nice, nice verbal semantics, right? I'm going to go to church today. Well, it's not a bad thing, but somehow deeply, innately inside of us, we have this mindset that I'm going to church rather than I am the church. And what Jesus is talking about here is, listen, no, no, no. He says, you are the church. You are the church. If you are a follower of mine and I'm in you, then you are a part of me. And what I'm saying to you, you are the body of Christ and together we're the church. Separated, we're the church. And if you really want to grow, you really want to be in tune 
and really experience God, the way to do that is to fill others. You want to be fueled? You want to have food? You want to grow? Then you help be a part of what God's doing. What fills me, Jesus says, is filling others. What nourishes me is me nourishing others. So here's the value statement today. Here's the statement I want you guys to capture. This is going to be a statement that we lock lock onto as a church, and we're going to be like laser-like focused, that our goal for us is not that we would just, you know, just show up to church or think that I'm just going to church, or I'll tell you one of my, one of the ones I, statements I hear all the time is I just can't find a church that meets my needs, right? I can't tell you how many times I hear that, and that's fine, if you might be brand new to the faith or just kind of kicking tires for the first time. But if you're growing as a church, we want to, over time, we want, to re- want us to realize this statement. All right, here's the statement. We are not, excuse me, we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we are the hope of the world. That's our new value statement. Isn't that awesome, right? Our team helped come up with that. Yeah, let me say it again. Say this with me. Say this with me. We are spiritual contributors. That's what we are. We're not spiritual consumers. Why? Because the church does not exist for us, yet we are the church, and we are the hope of the world. Now, that's profound. That's really profound. Our food is to do the will and the work of the Father. And if you're a follower of Christ, you are the church. Now, I want to show you something this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you to rate yourself. All right, we're going to have a little fun here. We're going to ask you to help, help me in this. And I want you to just, as I talk through this, this is going to be a little scale of rating, where you think you are, right? You kind of just do this mental gymnastics here in your brain. And I want you to circle one in your mind where you think you are, right? Because I want us to think about where I stand. If I'm really a follower of Jesus, if I'm a Christian, if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, supporting what God's doing in the world, and I'm, a, I'm playing the role, I'm allowing God to use my gifts, am I leaning more towards being a consumer or more towards a contributor? Now, let me just say that uh, I don't really fully think anyone can circle number 10 because that would, that, and unless you died and rose from the dead, uh, sacrificed your life and uh, did all that, then you can circle number 10. But if you're thinking number 10, you think you're kind of like Jesus just ask three people around you where they would rank you. And I'm pretty sure they're going to tell you you're not Jesus. So don't, don't anybody circle. Don't in your mind. No one's a number 10, right? That's perfection. And uh, don't anyone go number one because that's kind of like the devil, okay? So, <clears throat> all right. So, and we're a grace-filled church, so you got to at least go two, okay? All right. So here, here's number two. If you showed up this morning, this would be a, this would, this would, if you, this is where you're at and this is fine. If you showed up this morning, you're new to church, you've been here, coming here for some period of time, um, and you drop the kids off, um, and you haven't ever served in the kids' area, uh, maybe you got some free coffee this morning that somebody else paid for, maybe you're sitting in a chair this morning, again, that somebody else paid for, um, and you've never been a part of contributing in any way, then, then I would say you're probably a, a number two, all right? So, number two. Uh, let's just say... Maybe uh, a, a four and a five might mean that, okay, you've, you've come to church and you're, you, you come every, you know, you come a little more often, right? Um, and you, on occasion, 
you drop a little bit in the offering bucket, you know, maybe, I don't know, whatever it amount, I don't know, you just, every now and then you play a role and you'd, you'd use, utilize the guys out in the parking areas to help you figure out your parking and um, you say thanks and, uh, you know, you, you stick around a little bit afterwards and, and kind of, you know, you've considered small groups, maybe even like talk to, you know, someone on rally day and said, hey, that sounds like a good group, but maybe you haven't connected anywhere, maybe you haven't served or contributed uh, maybe you might want to put yourself four or five, somewhere like that. Or maybe some of you, like, you could be, you know, higher. You might be seven, eight, or even nine. Maybe you have, uh, maybe you've gotten involved. Maybe you've been, you've been really connecting in a small group. You've grown. You realize, wow, there's more to this than just me showing up. And you now really realize it's more about others than just myself. And you're not really, like, showing up as a consumer much longer. You're showing up and you're playing a role. In fact, now you're like serving somewhere. You're helping invest in, in kids or you're, you know, here showing up on a Sunday morning and you're cleaning aisles out and, and, and putting things in the seats or, um, you know, maybe you've gone on a missions trip with our, one of our groups or and maybe you're like really become someone who's like financially contributing and you're like, hey man, this is awesome. I can trust God with my stuff and he, you know, so maybe that's where you're at. And maybe you've got this kind of figured out in your mind. And I, I would just say, maybe you be, might be like an eight or nine. That's great. I, I applaud that. So go ahead and just think about where that is and, and just jot that down. And let me say this. I want to give you a point today that if you are a Christian, number one, jot this down if you have somewhere to write this, that God calls you to serve in his church. I mean, it is legitimately that, that God calls us to. God says, hey, if you're going to grow, the way to do that is by you serving in my church. The way, you, the way you find nourishment is by using your giftedness to make a difference in this world. Let me say this. God never intended the church to be a building, but intended the church to be his people. We don't go to church. We are the church, and we are here for the world. Let me show you this in Romans chapter 12. It says this in Romans chapter 12. It says... Uh, we have gifts, we have different gifts, right? When you became a Christ follower, God kind of like, you know, blessed you with, if I want to use the word bless, or just gifted you with uniqueness, extra uniqueness. Like, you know, you, God made you unique when you were born. But when all of a sudden you were filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, He kind of fanned the flame and added to that gift mix and exasperated some in, in, in a special way, like in an awesome way. So... We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is, and then he goes into some different gifts that we have. There's seven different gifts here. The gifts of prophecy or prophesying in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is encouraging, then give encouragement. If your gift is giving, give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. I remember hearing this years ago. Christy's dad used to always tell the story about the turkey dinner. And if a turkey, you know, someone was carving the turkey and all of a sudden someone was walking it in and, you know, tripped and the turkey went everywhere, everyone around the table would all of a sudden go into all using all their gifts, right? So, so uh, let's just say that happened. We're all at, we're all at Thanksgiving dinner together. And uh, here comes, you know, mom with the turkey, 
Dad's about to sit down and carve it. He gets ready to carve it, and somehow it slides off the table. Turkey goes everywhere. All of a sudden, you'd see all the gifts come in play. You, you might have someone that would jump up and say, all right, everybody, here's what we're going to do. You, 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 you go ahead, and your roles are this, this, and this, and this. This dinner's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. You're a leader, right? In fact, someone you know, around you right now is like, yeah, they're kind of bossy. And so <clears throat> that's, yeah, that's, that's your role. God made you that way. That's awesome. That, fan that flame. You're going ahead. You saw instantly how we need to fix this. You saw right away who needed to play a role. You could identify other people's gifts, and you're like, hey, make this happen, right? Uh, others of you, all of a sudden, you would sit in that scenario, and, and some of you would say, hey, it's all right. Everything's all right. It's going to be great. Come on, man. We can make it here. And you'd take some of the turkey, turkey, and you'd throw it on yourself like, look, it's all right. It happens to me, too. I've done it before. You're the encourager, right? In fact, in a service like this, you, you're having so much fun, you're not even hearing really what I, anything I've said this morning. So... You're, that, that's your role. You're the encouragement. You're looking around, just, you can't wait. I mean, it's just something that fuels you, right? If you're an encourager, you know there's something that's just, that fills you when you get to be an encouragement to somewhere else. It feels good to yourself. Uh, some of you, which I don't really, I, I don't have this one uh, really at all, but some of you would look at this scenario and the guy that got turkey on himself and, and dropped it, you would feel so bad for them. You would literally, you'd, you would just cry. You'd be like, oh, God, I love you. It's going to be all right. We'll, we'll get it all. That's the mercy giver, right? Any, how many of you guys are mercy givers? In you, you just have a, a knack. I mean, I mocked you for crying, but you don't really have to always cry, all right? <laughs> how many of you guys, you, you, you have the gift of mercy. When, when someone hurts, you ache with them. I mean, I love you people, right? We need more of you in this world. Some of you guys have the gift of prophecy. All of a sudden, you, you're like, that should have never happened. Can I tell you what, what you should have done differently and it would have never happened? How many of you guys are going to have that gift of prophecy? You can just see how things are going to go right, how things are going to go wrong, and you're going to let somebody know about it. How many of you guys you point to the person if they're not raising their hand, they have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, all over the place, all right? So you've got all these different gifts. They all come into play. And this is what, this is what Paul talks about here, that if... If you have these gifts, God wants to fan that flame and utilize your gifts for us not to just go to church, but to be the church. So that's an example of that. That's what Paul's talking about. Now, I want to show you some examples today, even in our own church today. Uh, we've, got, we've got some amazing, amazing gifted people that are utilizing their gifts in our church. One of those guys, and he probably is going to hate that I found his picture. This is Joey Biddle. Joey Biddle. And Joey, I, I don't know how I got this picture. Joey's probably not even in here because he's out serving somewhere. Joey's one of these guys that just, he, he's not going to be outspoken. You're not going to hear a lot out of him. But he's going to be all over serving. He has the, he had really, truly, both he and his wife, Cynthia, have a gift of serving. This morning I drove by, I took my daughter Allie early to breakfast this morning. On our way by the property, I saw a few men out there praying around our rock. You know, we got a little rock on the property that says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Joey's out there praying with a couple guys. Now, Joey's not a perfect guy. He's had his ups and downs in life. And man, God's just transformed this guy's heart. But Joey's one of these guys that really, that, that nobody notices, but God notices. And he's using his giftedness to play a role in this church. And here's what's crazy. 
Any one of you who are not using your giftedness, there's a void in the church. Have you ever thought about that? That means there's something that God wants to get done in his church that if you're not doing it because he put the DNA in your body and he's fanned the flame when he gave his life on the cross and sent you the Holy Spirit, if you're not fulfilling God's calling in his church, there is an area of the church that's broken because you're not doing it. And you're not being fulfilled or fueled because you're not doing what God's called you to do. Here's one of these guys that's doing, doing God's calling in his life. And I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's about as passionate and as excited as he can possibly be. Let me tell you about another guy. This is Jay Massey. Jay Massey. My buddy Jay. Jay's one of those guys. How many of you guys know Jay? Yeah, Jay in the back. Woo-woo. All right, Jay's one of those guys. He was about as wild as they could be growing up, right? You might have known Jay years ago, and you just said, dude, man, that guy needs Jesus, right? Let me, let me just tell you this. Jay's found Jesus. And Jesus has changed Jay's life. Jay has now been sober for one year and three months. Am I correct, Jay? All right, I don't think he's too embarrassed about me sharing that this morning because he's proud of what God's done in his life. In fact, Jay came to our church and somebody held the door for Jay. Somebody saw Jay coming to this church and said, here's a guy that I'm going to show love and acceptance. I'm not going to judge this guy. I'm not going to call him a drunk, or I'm not going to say, you need Jesus, dude, because you're jacked up. We know that, <laughs> right? Anybody here not know that? No, we know that. So someone held the door for Jay, and let me tell you this, Jay's now one of our door holders, and holding a significant role by offering people acceptance in our church. We have, we have that other picture, Jay. We have that. There's Jay. You can't see his face. You just see that big old burly arm. What I love about it, here's Jay. He's like fist pumping, like, you yeah, God, you're awesome, right? Years before that, Jay would have been the guy that would have hung out and been, been the rowdiest guy at any place you'd ever been to. In fact, I, th- I think Jay's probably been a bouncer and bounced people out of places. Now, Jay is one of our door holders inviting people in to the church. And I'm telling you what, this guy's growing like crazy. He's taking steps of faith. And he's using the gifts God gave him. This guy, he's a party waiting to happen. I mean, where he goes, there's a crowd. And I love this guy because he is using what God has done in his life and God's fanning the flame. And where Jay's at, the church is flourishing. That's Jay. These people, let me tell you, these people understand that their food is to do the will of God. So why are they so fired up? It's because they understand that we, that they are the church and that God has called them to make a difference in the world. I also want to give you this thought this morning. Number two is this. God calls you not to serve in the church, not just in the church, but God calls you to serve as the church. Not just in here, but around the world, around our city. We feel very strongly led by God that we're to be a church that really goes after the people who are not yet connected to him. Like, why else would you start a church if you're going to go after people, go after people who are already connected to God? Does that make a lot of sense? It really doesn't because, you know, 86 or over percent of people in our city don't have anywhere they're going to on any, on any given Sunday morning. They're not connected to God. They're not connected to a church. And so our passion is to go after every man, every woman, every child in our city. God has called you and I to serve as the church. Let me give you this verse. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says, You are the light of, a wor- of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp 
and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, here's the point, let your light shine before others. God wants to use Him in you to be the light for others. He has called us to be a light for others. And not only just showing this light, but that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know you bring glory to God when God uses you for good works. Here's a statement today. We're not saved by good works. Your good works, you can't be good enough to win God's approval. But God has saved you for good works. God didn't save you by your good works, but he saved you for good works. In fact, we have an opportunity to leverage all your junk, all your stories, all your flaws, all your scars for somebody else's forever. Do, you re- do we realize that? You don't need to cover up your junk. You don't need to hide your ugliness. You don't need to hide what, what ails you or scars you. God says, no, no, listen, I'm going to use exactly your flaws. I'm going to use exactly your problems your bruises, the mistakes you've made, I want to use those to help somebody else find their way back to me. God wants to use you, not just in the church, but as the church. Let me give you a couple examples. My friend Nick DeCenzo, this is Nick and her son Dax, getting a little crazy there with some paint. I love these guys. Nick is also on our strategy team. Nick is one of these ladies that has been dealt some, some bumps and bruises in her life. Nick was widowed as a military spouse several, several years back. And now Nick is using her heart and passion for people who've both been physically wounded and mentally wounded to help them find their way back to God all over this city. In fact, Nick uses her gifts on post and helps develop communities for people who have lost loved ones. That's an example of people using their gifts as the church. She is the church, and she is a light of the world being fueled by God by her filling others up with God's food. Another one of my favorites is De- Dewan Jacklett. How many of y'all know Dewan? Dewan's one of these people that is like, like mercy giver, servant, just encourager. She's kind of like got a lot, lot of gifts all wrapped up in one. Dewan started telling me several months back that she would, would drive to work every day and see this, this family walking like several miles to their job in the cold, outdoors, and so over time, she started picking these people up and saying, hey, I'm going to give you a ride. Where are you at every day at this time? I'm going to come by and give you a ride every day at this time. So every day, Dewan, for a long time, several months, would give this family a ride to their jobs, to where they were going. And lo and behold, she just said, we're going to get you a car. I've got an idea. I'm going to use my gifts of wooing people and serving you. And lo and behold, she convinced some people to help raise funds, and they bought them this car and last week, they came to church for the very first time with Dewan. Dewan, this is it. This is, this is our church being the church and being who God's called us to be. We are spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. That was like backward masking. We are spiritual contributors. We are not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we are the hope of the world. Pray with me. God, I ask that you would take your word this morning, that you would allow it to soak deeply in our hearts. And I pray as we make these bold, brash statements, 
God, I pray that your word would, would God, I don't want this to be harsh today. God, I pray you'd convict us. God, I pray you would lead us to play, be playing a role in what you're doing in the world. God, when we really look at this, as you see this, this world one day is going to be done. And God, I pray that we would see our jobs, we would see our roles, we'd see our lives, we'd see the, 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 the things that make us unique, our giftedness. God, is all ways that we can serve you and be food and fuel to nourish others to find their way back to you. God, I pray that every person here would look at their life on that scale today and say, how, God, would you enable me and use me to take some spiritual steps of being used by you for your purpose in and as the church? God, I pray that that would be our thought going into this summer. God, I pray that it would, be our, it would become our heart and our passion to grow, to experience you, and to see others become closer connected to you. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you for giving your life, your time, your effort, your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.